0: You are listening to the Ibn Abi Umar podcast. This is your host, Umar Osman. Welcome back to the podcast. I know it's been a while since the last upload, and there's a very good reason for that, which I will share here momentarily. Uh, This episode is a recording of an Instagram live that I did with Hafsa Tahir. So she had invited me to speak to her business coaching group, Circle of Impact, about an Islamic approach to habits. And then this was a follow up conversation going into detail on Instagram and its effects on spirituality, friendship, the effects of who you follow, the company that you keep online. We even got into a little bit of business and marketing, touched on a lot of interesting subjects. So, inshallah, hope you find that to be beneficial. I'll link to her Instagram and all that good stuff in the show notes below. But the, the announcement that I was hinting at at the beginning is Alhamdulillah. The fic of social media book is finally done. This is something I've been working on since forever. Uh, and It only took a global pandemic to be able to finally finish it out, but alhamdulillah it's done. I will have a lot more information uh, about where to buy it and launching it and all that good stuff, hopefully within the next few days. Uh, I'm self-publishing it, so learning a lot through this process, getting things finalized. And we'll be launching soon, so I'll be sharing more about that as soon as I can. But just wanted to give everyone a heads up to please keep an eye out for that. And with that, hope you enjoy the episode.
1: So you've been with so many different organizations, and you've been talking about think of social media for, I'm going to say, six to seven years. Because while doing my homework last night, I found a podcast from 2014 and so what has changed since since in the last like seven eight years since
0: you've been on this on this journey so the funny thing is so the technology has changed a lot and the way that we interact with it has changed a lot but i would say a lot of the spiritual things are still the same challenges you know um in terms of just sheer changes that we see you know when i see my facebook memories pop up it's always hilarious because i'm like oh Like I used to post on Facebook. I used to check into places on Facebook. We used to post pictures on Facebook for everyone to look at. Like, it's so weird looking back at how we interacted on that platform. And then now, for example, Facebook is just a cesspool of politics. And, you know, where we would share a lot of family things, we no longer share those family things.
1: Um,
0: I think, you know, we look at things like Twitter, and Twitter was like a very big public group chat for a while, where you and all your friends were just all tagging each other and carrying out conversations. And those conversations are still happening, but that has migrated now to the group chat, right? So like little WhatsApp groups or other text message groups or things like that. So they're still happening. They're still in groups. They're still on a social network of some sort, but it's no longer in the public eye. And I think Snapchat coming along plays a role in that in making everyone accustomed to the idea of posting something and it disappearing in 24 hours, or you know, not retaining a permanent record of it to go back and look at, which I personally, I think that's a great change and a great way of looking at it a little bit differently, uh, that you're not creating all these breadcrumbs. I mean, you're still creating breadcrumbs, that's a whole different issue, but you're not creating like a public track record that anyone can just you know look up your name and suddenly see 15 years of family history meticulously documented online.
1: Mm-hmm. so in terms of um, uh, Facebook, like my niece was like, who's like 13 now she thinks Facebook is for all people so I'd actually be really interested to see how many people here watching this have used Facebook because we are kind of old now so so and, and then this kind of been shifted from Facebook there's been a couple more uh, social media platforms that came and went between Facebook and Instagram now and with Instagram and this influencer world it's just fairly new don't you think so like we didn't have influencers yeah. back how has this
0: changed the our relationship with social media? So the influencer thing, I think, is very interesting because, uh, and I mean, that this could go in a whole bunch of different ways, but it introduced the idea that anyone can gain some level of popularity or influence just by posting certain things. And, you know, of course, that's a mixed bag. It's a, it's a tool like everything else. That could be something that's beneficial and powerful. It could also be... Something very manipulative and deceptive, and I, you know, we always see examples of both. But it, it's, it's unique in the sense that if we take, if we take a broader, a broader vision of what's happened, right? So if we take a, a vision of, like, let's say, twenty years, well, twenty years ago, not any, you know, I couldn't just create a platform, I yeah. couldn't just write a book, or we you know, re- have an email list to just reach thousands of people, or whatever the case may be. Someone would have to have. Selected me and decided to let me through the gate. And once they let me through the gate, then you know I'll be on TV or maybe an op-ed gets published in the newspaper or something like that. With social media, the gatekeepers are all gone, and so now it's a free for all. Um, and so anyone can build a following, anyone can gain popularity, which you know again that it could go either way. <laughs>
1: Right so now influ like being a pop, having that popularity, having that fame, having like a following is a huge responsibility. What are some things you think like as people who i mean some people think it's overnight, but I as an Instagram coach, I know it takes years and years and years right, and when they do get to that place and some people do have overnight success, I'm not denying that, and when they, they do get that get to that place when they have that following when they have they become that influencer, what are some things that you think they need to keep in mind when they have this power? this insane amount of, almost like a burden, right? Because there are people that are following them. What what are some thoughts that are going in your head about someone who's actually at that level?
0: So I'm going to preface this by saying that you and I will probably disagree quite a bit on, on my take here. Uh, Just because I know that my Instagram profile is a, you know, you could, you could probably use my Instagram profile as a case study of what not to do if someone's trying to build a business or get popular, right? It's, private, it's not searchable, there's no hashtags, there's no nothing. It's just, you know, dumb pictures of coffee every day. Like there's, you know, it's not what you would recommend someone to do. Now, the the unique challenges, and I I think you brought up a good word, which is the responsibility that comes with the platform. And I think that's a very important mindset that should be a foundational part of someone's approach to building a platform that ultimately is an amana of some sort, right? Like, you're, you're reaching an audience, people are consuming your content. There is a level of trust and a mana that you have to uphold in what you're producing, what you are promoting, uh, and just the content that you're putting out. Like, you have to be able to sleep at night, so to speak, that, you know, I'm acting in an ethical manner. I'm not promoting things that I don't believe in, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but one other thing that I'll point out, and this, you know, might be a little bit of a different spin on it, is. I would recommend people not to rush into it. Like you said, it's not overnight. It comes slowly and there's benefits to that. The trap is that there's a lot of strategies where you can quickly build a following. But one trap that I would warn people about is this. Once you do build a large following, you lose a lot of creative freedom. You lose a lot of ability to experiment. You lose a lot of ability to to do different things because the level of scrutiny is higher. The larger that your platform gets, the more expectations there are, the more responsibility there is, and the more that people are going to be paying attention to what you do. And so your ability to just kind of be free and, and do whatever you want does go away. So, you know, there's trade-offs with everything, right? There's a trade-off in being small. Well, you're not going to reach an audience. If you're trying to build a business, then you're probably not going to get sales. But on the flip side, the larger that your platform is, there is a trade-off, With some of those other things as well
1: right that's where the conversation comes in about boundaries because as even as an instagram coach i'm always talking about deleting your instagram for a day or so like maybe once a week because the more you take time off the more you can actually live like off the phone because one of the we will talk about addictions as well because especially with someone with the following there is that dopamine rush that you get every single time somebody follows you you have like 100 new followers today or 15 new followers today or like 10 unfollows it just takes your emotional state up and down really quickly and that's why boundaries come into place but going back to that conversation about we were having in the beginning about these co- subconscious effect of the people that you follow have on you do you want to touch on that a little bit
0: yeah absolutely so you know there's there's a hadith problem said that the example of good company and bad company is like that of the musk seller and the blacksmith right so it's like the perfume store you go in it smells good you put some on you feel nice you maybe get a sample you buy some either way being in that environment is a net positive of some sort right you visit the blacksmith we can see like the car mechanic shake the mechanic's hand your hand gets dirty it smells bad it, it's soot it makes you feel sick the waiting room is disgusting the coffee stale you sit down chairs are dirty by the time you get home you want to take a shower right so he, he gave us this example of good company and bad company and the point being The company that you keep has an effect on your subconscious. Whether you want to admit it or not, the company that you keep affects you. And so online, that's literally who you follow and whose content you consume. And so the company that you're following online is going to have an impact on the way that you see the world, the way that you shape your decisions. And if we really think about it, if we look at the last two years, every restaurant you've ever decided to eat at, the things that you've decided to go on Amazon and order, the books that you've decided to read, the shows that you've decided to watch, the podcasts that you've decided to listen to, the clothes that you've decided to buy, the shoes that you decide, all of those things have been heavily influenced by the content that you consume on social media. So, so
1: you talk about like, the people you follow, it's kind of like the people you're hanging out with but just to play devil's advocate someone might say it's like watching the news I don't get attached to the news I don't just buy anything I see them on, on ads um, I have the I have the agency to decide like how do you distinguish how do you how would you say to that
0: I think there's a very intellectually arrogant way of looking at it yeah and I I think that that's it's discounting the level of environmental factors. There's mm-hmm. a reason the Prophet ﷺ said that if you want to know someone's religion, look at the religion of their closest friend, right. because at one point or another, there is alignment between who you are and who you follow. Right. Yeah. And so if we take something like the news, it's not as easy as you just being discerning. It's you're not even that's playing checkers while the news is playing chess. Like, I'm going to watch the news and be discerning. It's like, no, there. this entire construct is designed to monetize your fear and anxiety, quite literally, right? And so, yes, I can watch the news and I can know that, oh, this person from this party is saying something that's factually incorrect. And I'm smart enough to recognize that. Well, like, okay, yeah, you are, maybe. But the fact that you're consuming so much news is going to generally put you into a state of, anxiety and fear and panic and nervousness and this feeling of the world ending. And we've seen that in America for the last four years in case anyone has like any doubt of that. It's like every six months, there's a new cycle of, oh my God, the world is gonna end. America's gonna turn into this, turn into that. And it's like, no, for most people life kind of went on but you consuming that content warped your mm-hmm. worldview into only focusing on these couple of things. I and that, and well- that's, that's what it does. It warps your attention to something that they want. So yeah, I might be discerning between good news and bad news, but the thing is, is that they made me consume the news for hours instead of something else. And that's where they won, no matter how discerning I am.
1: Yeah, I think there's something to be said about proximity, like it just being in your your hand, I mean, not even in your pocket, right? Like in your hand 24 seven and also the frequency, like how many times you log into Facebook, how many times we check our Instagram feed, how many times you see that person on stories. I think there's that frequency of like, almost feeling like you know this person, you like this yeah. person, you have this relationship with this person, and the other person doesn't even know you exist. And it's just so one-sided that you don't even realize in your head.
0: Absolutely, and that, and that's, you know, it becomes important who you're following because you re, like if you see an update from someone 20 times a day. Right? Like, I mean, there's a fair question to ask some parents, like, do you have 20 different conversations with your kids throughout the day? Like, you people that you would say that you're very close to you don't interact with as much. And so the level of impact that they have on you is extremely profound.
1: Yeah. Now, that's a great point. It's like we sometimes we lose that perspective of who we are close to because we, we know more about these influences than we know about our, what's happening in our own family members' lives. And those of you that are watching, if you have comments, if you have questions, share your gems in the comments. And if you have questions, just use this question sticker at the bottom. So this way I can quickly find them as we uh, close to the end. So we talked about... The, uh, you kind of touched on this impact of social media and spirituality. Do you want to expand on that and the connection? How does it impact our connection
0: with, with God? There's so many ways um, that it impacts. I would say, you know, if we want to talk about one, and because I know that a lot of your audience is also maybe business-minded, and I think that might be a place to start, which is, yeah. you know, what again, what you consume shapes your reality. So if someone is following, for example, only motivational accounts, right? That every every day, all you see is like, if not now, then when? If not you, then who, right? Like they're just posting that stuff all day. And you're only seeing stories of people that are just like, all you have to do is just take action and you'll achieve this. And they're posting pictures every day of them achieving all these things. You start to think that I'm the only one, right? Everyone else's life is amazing. I'm the one that's doing horrible and that is at the root of so many spiritual diseases right it causes envy right you start to develop hasad for other people it it causes a breakdown in your level of tawakkul also in your relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it goes from an idea of i need to supplicate to my sustainer the one that provides for me and be content with what he gives yes i can continue asking for more but it's in his hands versus and this is a very like subtle nuance and mentality of, well, I did the work, therefore I am entitled to this outcome because everyone else is getting that outcome. And I think right. that's one of the most dangerous things that we see on Instagram is that this idea that if you just follow this blueprint that someone else laid out, you should achieve these same results. Uh, and it eliminates all other environmental factors from the equation. And that, that's something that I think is very destructive.
1: Right, actually there's a there's a coach that i used to follow he said um it's like an amazon order you place your order and you'll get the, you place your order and you'll get the package you know that's how yeah. like, he basically but that's how the power he, he, he's not muslim obviously he didn't use the word dua, but he's like that's how the power of intention is manifestation is right so and i yeah. think there is definitely a place for to talk about like what failures is and i actually messaged this in my mastermind group as a business coach, I talk about motivation and inspiration, but there's definitely a place to talk about failure because, and failure in quotes, because as Muslims, we believe that the state of a believer takes good in everything, right? Like it, Good comes to him, he's grateful, but if it doesn't, he's patient and he's he's, he, he's content. So I think there's definitely a place for us saying like, yes, you tie the camel, yes, you basically do your part, and then you leave the rest to God. Like you, you have to let go and say, what is meant for me will come my way. And after a while you have to say, maybe this isn't the right thing for me. Maybe right. it's like the example he gave about the basketball player in that, in that conversation we had inside Circle of Impact, where you said, just because you wanted to be a basketball player, was it a basketball player? You said, yeah. oh, yeah, you can't be. Like, maybe maybe you should talk about that again.
0: I say, just because, you know, in that entitlement factor is like, just because I'm yeah. very passionate about something doesn't mean that I deserve to get to do it, right? And, you know, yes, maybe I'm passionate about basketball. May look, maybe, And look, and maybe I'm passionate about running my own business. But not every not everyone gets to do that. Right. And so and some people, they're going to work nine to five. And this, this, by the way, is another part of that Instagram culture where everyone is promoting something, right, everyone's promoting something. And so in order to promote their thing, they have to make you feel bad about where you are. And so that's one thing that you see is like, well, if you don't, you know, and if you don't do this, and become your own boss, then you're going to be saved to the nine to five. You're a cog in the machine and you're this and you're that and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, well, if that was the case, everyone would be doing it, right? But that's not everyone's situation. Some people prefer work. Some people. Lost your audio. Either
1: there? Think we lost your audio. Just when everyone is saying, loving this discussion. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Okay.
0: Okay. So I got a phone call, so I had to put it on do not disturb. All right. But um what I was saying is oh. everyone has you know, everyone has different situations in life, right? And so is what Instagram will do is it'll always make you feel bad about your situation because there's always gonna be something else better. Like, not realizing like perfect no matter how much they portray it, it's just everyone has a different set of problems to deal with, right? So if we take that example of, well, should I be an entrepreneur? Or should I work nine to five? It's like, well, it depends on your situation. How much risk tolerance do you have, right? The the risk tolerance of someone who's 21 and single is much different than someone who's 45 and about to put kids through college. Uh, do you prefer the headache of having a manager but having a stable paycheck and health insurance? Or do you prefer the headache of, Running your own thing, being on your own schedule, but having to worry about making payroll and having to worry about all these other things, right? Like, no one has an easy situation. No. It's everyone's trading in one set of problems for another. You have to figure out where your level of contentment is.
1: Right. And we forget that. We forget to see that bigger picture when we see people doing well, having success, and we're like, hey, maybe I should do that too without realizing that they have this set of like setbacks, they have their sort of str- struggles and they didn't get there overnight as well. And I think like, I mean, it's so, so cliche, we hear this all the time. It's not the real life, it's the real life, but we still fall for it every single day. How come she's always so happy? How come my life is so amazing? How come my life sucks? How come I don't, I have these ups and downs? Why am I struggling? Why am I such a failure? You know, I think, and that's a great point about uh, that really.
0: And, that- and and by the way, part of that is is the algorithms. Online, yeah. right? So we talk about things like Instagram. Well, a vacation photo gets more engagement than me posting a picture of my backyard that has nothing in it, right? That's because right. that's not good, it's not very interesting. Yeah. But, you know, uh, a picture from the Maldives is very interesting, and so everyone's going to like it. And so it incentivizes only posting the highlights. And yeah. so when you consume that yeah intellectually you might know that, that well everyone has ups and downs but it affects you like look here's a good example right like if when someone's going through a tough time at work or business and it's like man backs against the wall like I'm about to be laid off or this is happening that's happening whatever like it's tough what happens you log on to LinkedIn and you log into LinkedIn and, and now it's like well this idiot that I work with just got promoted so the other person that I work with that I'm smarter than and more talented than and more skilled than just moved on to this company that's my dream company. And so you start looking at it and it's like, man, everyone else is doing awesome. My life is the only one that's horrible. But it's like, well, you know, yes, people are going to post their promotions on LinkedIn, but no one's going to promote that they just got put on probation by their manager because their performance was subpar. Like, right. no one's going to post that on LinkedIn, but yeah. that's real life.
1: You know, even with the du'as, I think even in the Muslim muslim coachy world i think there is this set your intention make the dua and the outcome will be exactly what you want and as someone who's always struggled and business income easy to me i know people will have never seen this side of things it's like i've really struggled especially the, the last two years have been so much of like going back and forth trying things out or this didn't work and this worked. it's like yes you make the dua but the outcome is not guaranteed the outcome like if you get the outcome great but there is you need to like, it's not a failure on your part if you don't
0: get the outcome. And see, and this is where I think spiritually there's like a very fundamental disconnect. Like, yeah. just in your basic iman with, you know, so we know, for example, Prophet, Prophet said that your dua is, you know, when you make duas, it's either answered or something that was evil will have been prevented from you or you will see the result of that dua in the hereafter, right? right. In, in all of these cases, there's an element that I have to have a level of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he will give me what is best. And the problem, even from a spiritual perspective of the, you know, just make, make the intention, make du'a and you'll get the outcome. And I do see people saying that more and more is that, and I'm not saying that this is explicit or that someone is explicitly intending this. But there is an undertone of entitlement in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is a very dangerous ground to go down. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And and also it kind of is like an implication if you didn't get it either didn't make that intention. You suck at your manifestation, or you yeah. you, you are You're making dua. Maybe you didn't make up the and all those factors do play a part. I'm not saying if they don't. Yes, you should make intense dua. Like you, yes, you should come. Like make more dua, and then you complain about it. And all of that do matter. But the outcome is still not dependent on how you ask, or dependent on how on on what you do. The outcome is still dependent on what Allah's will is.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think this is where the idea of process over outcome is very important. Right. Yeah, you have you have, to, and I think as a Muslim, you have to tie yourself to process, yeah, more than you tie yourself to outcome. And one thing that's very interesting is like so I, I remember reading some people's, you know, I think some scholars said that one of the wisdoms sometimes of someone's du'a not being answered is that had the du'a been answered, the person would have just stopped making that du'a, I, and the reward of them constantly making du'a every day was actually more useful okay. for them than. Getting what it is that they wanted, right? And so it requires a much different perspective when you come at it as a Muslim as to how you're viewing and treating outcomes. Because for us, it's you, you know, you do your part the best that you can, and then that's that. Like it's, it's out of your control ultimately.
1: Right. And I think that's where like the Balka cultural mindset comes along too. And, and in terms of the gardener mindset, we talk about inside so Circle of impact with all my clients your job is just to do, do the action and and going back to like i actually go always remember this this um verse in the quran like, i don't know what the exact verse is but when ibrahim was commanded to call people for hajj he said how am i going to call the nations call the entire world for hajj and Allah is like you just do your part right like yeah. it's my message and, and i think as the gardener mindset our, like, our job is to just keep sowing the seeds keep, keep planting those plants the seeds because the outcome is not in our hands we are only responsible for our effort. And this is where the process-based goals, and those of you that are listening and, and not sure what, that, what we're talking about, process-based goals is I will post every single day on Instagram for the next 30 days or uh, the next six months, the next three months in order to see a result versus saying I'm going to get, in the next three months, I want to get to 10K. So one is like process, what I will do, what I'm responsible for, the other is outcome-based. So what we're talking about is setting goals that are processed, like doing what is in your control, versus sticking to, versus assigning your outcome to the, uh, the the result that you want at the end, which is not in your hands. Um, so as we are talking about taking action and posting every single day within the next 30 days, let's talk about online phone addictions.
0: Okay. What about it?
1: <laughs> okay, as someone who's like constantly checking their phone, as someone who's like checking their social media, checking their WhatsApp, like, a hundred times a day. I don't know. I haven't checked how many times I've picked up, picked up the phone in the last couple of weeks, but as someone who's like constantly needing to check the phone, like where does that come from? How do we work around it? What are some tips to implement?
0: You know, I, I think the answer to this question is different in 2020 than it would be at any other time, just because most of us are at home. And so you know, a lot of even things that we had cut down, we've now picked back up just because we're not meeting people. We're not going out. We don't have a way of doing any offline supplement to our lives. Right. Like, I mean, personally, I have not been to Juma prayer in about a month. Uh, you know, our is opened back up and then they closed back down because our area got way too crazy. Right. So, you know, in the last 15 days, I've left my house maybe once or twice like just to run errands but not to like meet people and hang out and you know absolutely nothing like that so the, I want to preface this by saying that this year is a bit of an exception in the sense that I get that everyone's spending more time on their phone because that's how they're staying connected so under normal circumstances though and, and even then I will say that there's certain things about how you interact how you let your attention be dictated. And so I think the main thing really is intentionality in terms of when you're checking things and how you're checking them. So, you know, one basic example is like turn off notifications, don't let the phone buzz and beep and ding and get your attention to look at it. But let it be something where I'm intentionally going and checking, you know, certain things. Uh, The other thing I do is I set timers. Um, Now I'll be like, okay, I'll be very honest, right? So I have a 15 minute timer for Facebook. And honestly, most days, I don't get the timer alert. um, Because I don't spend that much time on it. And sometimes it'll be like at nighttime, I'll get that 15 minute alert. And I'm like, okay, cool. I didn't do too bad. Yeah. Instagram has like a 30 minute limit. And I usually hit it by lunchtime. Right. So it's just is very different. Um, But I would say just being intentional in your usage, cutting out notifications is a big part of it. Like WhatsApp, I don't have notifications on. No red badges, no beeps, you know, nothing like that. Uh, Same with email, same with, you know, all of those things. And just try to minimize your usage. Um, I see one question. What about if someone's job revolves around social media? Um, I would say, this would be my suggestion, is I think, look, being in social media is not any different from any other job, right? Even if you had like a regular corporate job, it, it can vary. You might have a job where you're expected to answer emails all evening. And so you have your work email on your phone and you're checking it all evening until night and going to bed. You know, it's the same whether it's social media or not. But what I would recommend is that you find some way to differentiate the two. One thing that I did personally, so I was in a situation at work a couple of years ago where we had a very hectic on-call schedule. So the week that I was on call, I could get called any time of day or night, right? And so I essentially, those weeks that I was on call, I did not want to even see my work email because I needed the break. And so I ended up getting a second phone altogether. I paid for it out of pocket, but I put all my work stuff on that phone. So the week that I was on call, I kept that work phone with me. When I wasn't on call, the work phone stayed locked away in like a laptop bag or something. And I just never looked at it. But that let me bring some environmental differentiation to, yeah. you know, home at home and work. Now, if your job is social media, I would say the same thing, right? Like maybe you have an iPad and the iPad is logged into all of your things that you do for work. And and look, there's let's be realistic. No one needs to be on social media twenty four hours, even if it's their job. That's that's you know that's just not realistic. There are so many programs that you can batch, post, and schedule things and do all of these things. I would recommend that you have another device that's logged into all those accounts. You batch your processes. You plan out your posts, put them all in. And then your personal device that's on you, it doesn't have that stuff, so you can't check it.
1: I think I think it is Atomic Habits that talked about even the place you designate to do certain things. And, and what you're talking about is the basically the the connection that you have with your work right like either it's your device like certain devices remind you of work certain devices don't like certain yep. want to create that distinction so it's like so when you're checking your phone it's not work related so even like when I when I in my in my in my like I, I, I have I actually just have like one room that I kind of spend most of my time in I have a couch where I only do like Netflix or like chilling on bed I do not use my bed to like watch Netflix because I want to associate that with like sleeping and then I have like my desk and my chair where I do most of my work so being able to create those distinctions even where you do work I think is a great idea and again like maybe even creating folders if you only have one device or maybe just getting like, a, like an Android or cheaper tablet to be able to say hey this is my chill thing this is my work thing so I'm not going to touch it during the other times I think it just I think we need we have forgotten what mental sanity things what disconnection yeah. Especially COVID, I know where it just feels like you have to keep up on top, stay on top of everything, but we don't. We have to yeah. learn to live our lives that are offline these days. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, even like as people are working from home and stuff, it's important. Yeah. Like, you know, as a, I think that's a big work from home tip that goes uh, a little bit overlooked is, you know, I, I tell people like, block, if you're working from home and you weren't working from home before, block out space that is only for work. Now, if you have an office, awesome, that's great. But not everyone has an office. Right. Maybe it's your little breakfast table that has four chairs and you designate one chair as the work chair. Yeah. And the other three chairs are for fun or for eating or whatever, but you designate one spot that like when I'm in that spot, I'm working. Digitally, it's the same thing that if you're, if you do a lot of work digitally, again, my recommendation, if it's possible, get another device and that device is dedicated to it. If right. not, then do what you mentioned and put them into separate folders. Put them on a different screen, but do something to differentiate so that you're not always on.
1: Right. Yeah, and I, I think like with Instagram, I only have one profile. That's my personal thing. With Facebook, I post my business stuff. That use and it gets really uh, the lines kind of blur out when you're using the same application, the same app nobody uses the word application anymore the same app for both the purposes and it's hard yeah. to draw the lines like you you, when I see my notifications which ones for my friends which DMs? so I think that's when you just have to completely disconnect like I'm not going to lose yes. out much if I just delete my Instagram like for the weekend they'll, they'll find me if, they, if they, anybody needs to reach me They'll WhatsApp me, they'll email me, and reach me some other way. I think, especially as online businesses, as people working from home, we need those boundaries more and more. And this, I think, I think goes back to like the f- first couple of conversations we had, being conscious of who you follow because of the co- subconscious effect it has on you, and the and the and the impact on spirituality. All of those are yes, you can stay mindful, but one of the biggest things is cut down your time on social media. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, I mean in anything that I've read or come across the universal recommendation is the more that you cut it out, the better that it is. I mean, there's just, there's no getting around it that it's the net negative is more than the net positive. Now, understandably, that's not realistic for most people. And again, recognizing our reality, it's much harder now when we're feeling more and more disconnected. Right. And so we do use these tools to stay in touch with people and so on. So, you know, it, It's more important, I think, than it being an either or, that it be more making my usage more intentional and making sure that I am managing how my attention and effort is spent rather than the device controlling those things for
1: me. Yeah, and also I think it's about the quality over quantity because I mean, yes, we are constantly on social media, but how much of those are really filling you, right? So I think you talked about connection. Yes, we are missing that connection, but scrolling to instagram is not filling that bucket right so maybe yeah. it, maybe it's calling that one person and having that maybe a zoom video call with them maybe it, there is that need for connection and i guess for each one of us we have to identify what is it going to take to fill that bucket
0: yeah and and also and look and i don't, and i don't discount the value of you know i also don't i also don't want people to read into this that this means that you only be productive so you know yeah. i'm going to you know unfollow everyone and only follow mufti mink and only read islamic reminders all the time and that's you know alhamdulillah so this, like that's not you know that that's not the recommendation and like i get it like sometimes we need to mindlessly scroll sometimes we do just want to scroll through random stories and just see what's going on because that you know right now especially that's just a way that we do downtime but again it's just just know that that's what you're doing and be okay with it right, right? like don't you know just be like hey i'm just gonna sit And because like, I'll do that after work sometimes, right? So I work and I'm like, I need to decompress. Well, I can't really like go out, meet someone up or something. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and just kind of catch up on group chats and this and that and just zone out for a little bit and then go back to whatever it is that I need to do. But it's, but it should not turn into at six o'clock, I sit down on my couch, I open WhatsApp and then all of a sudden it's 11 p.m.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be a start and time for it, consciously saying I'm doing this to decompress. This is not I'm not working here. I'm just going yeah. like to spend time on social media and catch up on other things that are happening. And I think what happens is sometimes as businesses that I'm talking to like people like me, we as we take that time that you have spent on instagram and be like i spent so much time on instagram and it's not giving me any results of my business and i'm like you just watched other people lift weights you didn't do the heavy lifting and you can't expect to lose weight when you're just watching other people and i think creating before consuming and trying to like doing your creative work before you actually fit your head with other people's ideas is also a great point that i need that we need to stay mindful of
0: yeah and that and i think that goes back to the idea of just being intentional with your usage too right like uh you know are you are you proactively doing something, or did you just open it up and be like, All right, Instagram, tell me what to do and what to look at
1: yeah yeah and um there's there was a point in the, in your description of like thick of social media courses there's a point about how do you apply the concept of modesty in the online world? What was that about
0: so I think there's an there so that that's kind of a tough one, but I would say it's it's this look it's the common sense rules. You know it's we tend to overcomplicate sometimes but it's the common sense types of rules of just don't post things that you know if your mom saw it that she would get mad like that's like a pretty simple type of rule of thumb but yet you see that even that sometimes is a difficult rule to follow so you know uh i i see like what these you know these teenagers are posting i'm not going to sound like a complete uncle but i see what these teenagers are posting on like tiktok and stuff and i'm I'm just like, man, this is, you know, we would never have dreamt of posting something like that or like pranking our parents that way, you know, just to get, just to get likes on a video or something like that. And so, you know, in terms of mods, like, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it can go a bunch of ways. I'll say just use common sense rules in what you're posting, what you're consuming, the things that you're liking or sharing or whatever. Like it just, Common sense goes a long way. It's just, unfortunately, ignored a lot of times.
1: I think we forget that the online world is, a, is the real world as well. I think it just feels like we live in a different space sometimes when we're online. Because you're like, the stuff we say, the stuff we post, is not something you'd say to someone's face. Like, yeah. I mean, the online bullying that has, that's happening to bloggers and influencers lately. And, and also, they, they would create anonymous accounts. I mean, if you had the guts to say it say it to their face, right? But yeah. if they were like like they would actually create fake accounts and to say mean things to other people and you wouldn't say these things in person. So I think we have forgotten what, what, what we would do in the real world, what uh, the implications of things have and how we would look like what our peers would think of us. and We've forgotten those basic common sense when it comes to the online world. Absolutely. And,
0: you know, even that the whole idea of like fake accounts and stuff, you know, it's interesting is like all these things we have guidance, right? So the Prophet said that, you know, the worst of people is that the one that has two faces showing one face to one group and another face to another group. And if, you know, in person you're extremely polite and this and that, and then online, all of a sudden you're just like bashing people and hating on them. This is kind of like, what are you doing? You know, like why, what's motivating you to act like that? And I, I think one way of understanding this is that social media is a magnifying lens. Yeah, and, and it, it's not that people weren't hateful before social media, it's not that people didn't say mean things before social media. It's just that social media has magnified those things times a 100. And so the comments, they sting more. People also have more courage because they're anonymous, you know, behind their keyboard. And so, yeah, these things were always there, but the checks and balances of, let's say, a community are gone, right? Like, what you know what what someone could go walk into a masjid and say to someone is drastically different than what they can say to someone in the comment section with a fake account
1: yeah yeah no absolutely 100 percent. and i think it also goes back to when you feel like it, it kind of amplifies what's in your heart as well like all that Absol-
0: yeah
1: it's an indication of what's going on in your own heart and i think I can't remember where I said this. If you think other people are being fake, it kind of is a reflection of you because you can't see the intention. Yeah, it's Other people are showing off. It's a reflection of what's inside you because you are projecting. For, and it's a great... I, I know it kind of sucks. It kind of stings because you're like, well, this is inside me. But it's a great way to like... It's a great door to kind of start working on your own personal development and being like, maybe there's something here that I need to work on. So as we are, I'm gonna open the floor to questions and as the questions are coming in, make sure to use the question sticker so I can see where the questions are. And if you have any questions for Paloma make sure to ask them now as we are wrapping up. As we are wrapping up, I wanna ask you, what are some timeless, prophetic principles that will help us navigate this new age, no matter how things change? And I know you've kind of, uh, you've touched on a couple, so if, just to wrap things up, maybe highlight a couple.
0: So, you know, we talked about intention. Intention is, you know, it's the root of everything. Right. And so um, intention goes a long way. And it doesn't just mean intentionality in your usage, but it's intent in why am I posting something? Why am I sharing something? Why am I liking something? Why am I interacting with this content? Now, look, it might be, hey, I'm just sharing this because I think it's entertaining or because I like it. That's fine. Doesn't mean that you can only post Ayat of Quran or something like that, but just be okay with why you're posting something. Am I posting something just to flex? Well, you know, now maybe I need to pause and and reassess. Like, am I I sharing the good news of like, Allah's blessings on me? Like maybe some people, yes, but, or am I showing off? Like, those are, are real questions. Am I posting this because I'm, genuinely sharing something good? Or am I posting this because, you know, in a passive aggressive way, because I want that person to read it and know that it's about them, you know, like, why am I actually doing the thing that I'm doing? And I know that that sounds basic. But the challenge really is this is that social media is so fast, that there's pressure, right? Because again, if you want to win, you have to be first, you have to be quicker than everybody else. And so speed is incentivized, everything is fast, double tap, comment, like this, that, and you're going through quickly. And in order to assess your intention, it means that you do have to slow down. And, you know, I'll be quite honest, there's a lot of times where I'll post something, and I'll just look at it. And I'll be like, why did I post this? And if I and look, it might just, it might be inconsequential it wasn't anything bad but i'll just be like this is just dumb and i'll just go back. the moment i assess my intention usually i go back and delete it just because i'm like whatever right but i think assessing intention in every aspect of it is a very important part
1: it's kind of like think before you speak right because
0: absolutely if you, yeah
1: said something you, would, you wouldn't say like 90 percent of things you're saying
0: yeah it's i mean that's all it is but the, you know the hard thing is is that you're not incentivized to slow down and think before you speak. You're, you're encouraged to just fire off whatever you feel or whatever you're thinking at that moment in time. And you know that's another thing Possum said, you know, speak good or remain silent. Uh, and I think that's the other part is like, you, you don't have to comment on everything. You don't have to interact on everything. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. No matter how popular it is and how much everyone else is talking about it like silence is just fine you know yeah.
1: and i think it kind of goes it goes back to understanding we started off the conversation, kind of understanding the responsibility you have within the mana it is right and and everything you amplify everything you basically everything you you talk about you are giving it a platform you are giving it a stake. and you and i had this private conversation about people that we don't fully agree with. Like, do we give them the platform? Do we share credits? And then I think this just goes back to the whole conversation about understanding what, the, what it, almost a burden this responsibility comes with. This is this fame, this popularity. Even if even if people that have 900 followers saying, oh, I don't have 10K, I think any number of following is a following. Because in, like in our offline world, we don't have 900 people following, like trying to understand what's happening in our lives, right? Yeah. Like, we downplay numbers like 200, 300, but imagine 200 people in your house. That's insane.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's true. And that's, I think, you know, what ends up the more, you know, you asked earlier about how, you know, should we just cut down on social media? And I think this concept that you raised, right? Like, how would I act if 200 people are at my house watching me? That That's a serious question because 200 followers is not a lot. You know, yeah. you can open an account today and get 200 followers. It's not hard, right? But there is then the bigger that gets, the more amana there is as to what you are producing, what you're promoting, all of those things. And so I think one thing that happens is people get so infatuated with what are the numbers, what are the metrics, you know, what's the watch time, what's the engage, you know, engagement percentage and comments and this and that and how many shares and all that stuff that it it does become very easy to forget just the basic values and ethics that someone should have. No matter the follower count.
1: Right. And I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of smaller accounts, the more engagement, the better your relationship. Yeah, we're treating people like people, right? Because otherwise it's just like numbers. And
0: now you're a- just making me feel better about not having a big following.
1: <laughs> so I actually tried giving you advice on social media and I'm like, <laughs> do this. You're like, well, it isn't for intentional. I'm like, okay, never mind. <laughs> There was a question here. I want to make sure we answer simply in Control's question. Uh, what are some intentions influencers should have?
0: I think a lot of it depends on what, you know, what type of influence or what industry, right? I think-
1: um, First is more home organization and home, she can probably tell us better. I'm thinking uh, it's more about like all about home stuff.
0: I mean, I think I think I think there's an easy answer, which is uh, maybe across the board. But I think the intent should be: Am I adding value to people, right? And uh, the idea that okay, if if people are following me for this particular topic, am I am I giving them something of value on that subject, or not? And I think someone that's trying to build some level of authority or some level of influence on a particular subject, I think that's a very easy gauge that is this something that's useful to the person that's consuming it is the content that I'm putting out if my name gets removed from it like would it still be useful and I think you know those types of questions start to hammer at again some of the more spiritual sides of it which is am I self-promoting am I just kind of being shameless like you know what am I actually doing and, and that's really really tough Um, and I, and I don't think there's an easy answer to that. I think it's, it literally is sometimes a case by case basis, like post by post, what am what am I posting? Why am I posting it? What's the value of posting this? Like it requires a very high level of critical thinking and intentionality.
1: I think sometimes we, the more you take yourself out of the equation and kind of look at it most more tactically and say, this is my business plan. This is this is the launch that's happening, and just getting more at a very um, business level. I think the more you take your ego and yourself out of it, sometimes that's the key. Do you do you? Do you, do you yeah,
0: think- absolutely. And I and I think counterintuitively, yeah. the more that you shift your focus onto the audience and what's useful for them, the more that your platform ends up growing anyway. Right. right? Yeah. You know, it, someone that's providing valuable content. Well, you know, it might be a little bit of a slower spread, but it's it's going to get noticed at some point and people will start to come and say, like, OK, this is good value that this person is providing. So I'm going to follow it. Uh, you know, you can also hack your way to 10,000 followers, Be like, hey, everyone help me get to, you know, I, I don't want to pick on people. But like I saw but I will. But <laughs> I saw, a, you know, I saw someone post a picture of the people cleaning the Kaaba saying, Uh, let's celebrate our harem heroes, follow my Instagram account and get me to 100,000 followers or something like that. And I was like, what in the world? Like, okay, yeah, people are gonna, you know, see a picture of the harem heroes and like, click like or something. But are you really just trying to leverage that to get yourself followers? Like, what good did that do? That's, you know, that that looks pretty shameless when you when you think about it. Yeah, versus, you know, did could you have maybe just provided something useful for people to read and consume that brought a, you know, an Adam's way to benefit to their day? Like, yeah. so, you know, it's easy to see those examples in that way, I think.
1: Right. And I think, I, I think that like, because I, I look at things in a very business left-brain left and right-brain way, I have, I'm trying myself, trying to take myself out of the equation of just doing, sowing the seeds, just planting, planting the seeds and being like, you know what? I am doing my part the number of followers, the outcome, the sales, the customers will come when they are meant to come. And I think that's, it's, it's just a way of letting go. Because otherwise, you are, the the hadith says, tie your camel, otherwise you end up strangling your camel. (laughs) And
0: And, And I think one other principle that's worth mentioning here is having a mentality of ihsan, right, which is do things in the best possible way. And I think that that idea has a lot of implications so one implication is this that when i when i consume other people's content what do i want it to look like right if there are things that turn me off about the way that other people do things then i should probably not do those right Right. by the same token one aspect of also is well okay if i do have something of value and benefit then i also need to maybe promote and market it in the best way possible. So then, yes, maybe there is an element of learning how to leverage Instagram or learning how to leverage copywriting and doing those things. But doing it with ihsan means that I'm doing it in an ethical and valuable way where I'm communicating, you know, one, audiences first and foremost in mind, that I am doing things where I'm communicating the value of something so that they can make an educated decision. And I'm doing things on the up and up and not in a way that turns people off. And I think yeah. a very good analogy, and I think this might help explain it better, is, you know, and we, we do this with public speaking all the time, is we teach people like, when you're giving a khutbah or halakha or something like that, is your focus on how I look or is your focus on what the audience is taking away? And that mindset changes a lot. Yeah. Because if I'm if, if I have a message that I want the audience to understand, then I'm going to learn all the public speaking techniques in order to make sure that I know how to carefully craft a speech, that I know how to make it flow, that I know how to use effective examples, that I know how to quote things, I know how to do proper storytelling, I know how to make the audience understand why it's relevant and why it's important. I understand how to do all of these things so that they accept this message that is of value to them. That's drastically different from I hope I go viral on YouTube, so yeah. I'm going to dress a certain way, and I'm going to talk a certain way, and I'm going to portray a certain image of myself, right. and in the process, I might communicate something that's half valuable, but I'm not doing it in the proper way, and so the idea of ihsan, I think, is very important, where it doesn't mean that you you become completely agnostic to, well, I'm just going to do my work and leave the rest, but no, like, ihsan means, yeah, you you do all those things in the right way, but make sure that you're doing them in the best way. And I and I think one critical question is when I'm consuming, how do I want that communicated to me?
1: Right. And I think that's a great point about Asana. And I know a lot of people translate that as perfection. I'm not going to put it out there until it's perfect and until it's great. And all of that kind of comes back to fear of like, what people will think about me, I think. And, oh, will people think I'm a loser? Will people think I'm a failure? And I think, like turning the equation rather than focusing on perfection focusing on Ahsan, which is excellence. Is that how you translated
0: it? Yeah. And, and I, and if we use that example that you mentioned, it's, it, the focus should be, did I put something out that's of value to other people? Will, yeah. will someone be able to look at this and get value out of it? If they can, then I'm going to push it out, even though it's slightly imperfect as far as I'm concerned. Right. Because the more that I keep the focus on the other person instead of myself, the more that I eliminate a lot of that ego and right. even a lot of the things that the social media incentivizes in terms yeah. of, because it makes me always want to look good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I hope I hope that answered simply in controls answer question because we kind of went about it in a roundabout way, I think. One last question from Al-Hidayah uh, LLC. She said, what is the balance between maintaining business and maintaining business for Islamic values? Can you see the question?
0: Yeah, I can see it, but I'll ask you to go first because this is more up your alley.
1: I think there shouldn't be a conflict between the two because the way I have built my business is on Islamic values. I have not done anything, alhamdulillah, and this has been a struggle uh, that kind of goes against Islamic values or goes against my definition of islamic values because for some pointing and dancing might be okay okay but for me it's not right so like reels right so i have a personal definition of what my islamic values are of modesty of of whatever of whatever the with words, the values are, and I have my own personal definition. Yes, I have pushed myself out of the comfort zone to come on camera, even though my first couple of videos were very awkward. And I have stepped out of my comfort zone, but I've always stayed true to my Islamic values. So my business and Islamic values are kind of go together. So I don't see them as a conflict.
0: The only thing I would add is just, you know, there's, there's very basic values. And I think when people do business, like, if you run a store, you know not to cheat people you know not to lie you know not to be deceptive all of those things right i will say the added challenge in social media is that and if, if we can just be very frank about it a lot of the marketing techniques that are taught are against islamic values in terms of false sense of scarcity you know uh false sense of price inflation things like that like there are some things that are taught as standard practice yeah, that would be considered yeah would be considered dishonest. And so, you know, there's certain things like that that I I would be very aware of. But again, to answer it in general, a lot of it comes under the common sense things. Don't cheat people, don't lie to people, don't portray like a false image, uh, which, you know, sometimes it is easier said than done, admittedly.
1: Yeah, and I think even in marketing, I know there's a lot of quotes, there's a lot of girls that are talking about scarcity, that talk about a fake sense of inflation. And I think it's been a challenge for me. This is why I have been careful about who I pick my mentors to be. Like, I work with Sheikh Mohammed al-Sharif, who's, who comes with an Islamic background. I work with, with the Muhammad fathers from Productive Muslim. I have mindfully and consciously tried to surround myself and in the social sphere and in who I spend my my, my investment with, to, like, and yourself as well, and the books that I read. In terms of being mindful of having people help me shift that perspective, shift that what other people are saying, the whole, the whole talk about like manifesting, the whole talk about law of attraction, and when you get drowned in there, you're like, oh, this makes sense. But until you actually take a step back and stay, kind of hear other people's perspective on it, you're like, okay, you know what? That actually is un-Islamic. You know, so I think yeah. it's really important to kind of or, or be mindful of who you surround, who you learn your business from, who you learn your marketing from as well. There's one last question I want to take up. This is the last one. And then we, we, we will, I, I'll right. ask you one more question. Um, Sarah said, how to get over being confident because you feel like there's value that you can bring to others, bring more value. Okay. How to get over...
0: Oh, yeah. not being confident because others can bring more value than you.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Um, I, I feel like that's, it's a natural response because anytime you're learning something, you're learning something uh, from someone who's better than you at it, yeah. right? And so no matter what no matter what it is that you're trying, let's say I wanna teach something, well, there's always gonna be other people who know it better because those are the people that I'm learning from. Right. But that doesn't mean that everyone else is following those same people. It doesn't mean that everyone else is at the same level. Uh, you know, I know this is an extreme example, but a, a college calculus professor would be a terrible first grade math teacher. They would not know how to teach first grade math even though their knowledge and qualification of math is you know beyond reproach. but yeah. someone that's teaching first grade has to have a very different skill set. And so no matter what level you're at, uh, if you have some experience with it and something to offer, it'll bring value to someone. Now how many people that brings value to that might be debatable, right? But uh, I wouldn't worry about you not being the best. Yeah. uh the fact that there are so many people who are better than you probably meet isn't actually quite the opposite It's probably an indicator that you're in the right place because it means that there's people of varying skill levels who are trying to learn this and so you would be able to add something of value to a certain segment of that audience yeah
1: and i was going to say that like also being as a business from a business perspective finding out what Factor. what is the, you, your unique selling proposition and and I think as sometimes maybe it's that combination that makes you unique you're like okay, you know what I come by I come from this background and I do this this is what makes me unique and I can serve this segment of the world and and you're like like just because we know these coaches our audience doesn't know these people we might be seeing ads from a ton of other mm. coaches as well and you're like there's so many people doing the same thing, but your audience doesn't know that um as we are wrapping up as we are and, and also end- I want
0: to add one more point is yep. also don't underestimate the fact that You might not think that you can provide as much value as someone else, but the people that are coming to you trust you more than they trust those other people. And so that in and of itself is something of value to keep in mind that can't really be replicated.
1: Yeah, yeah, because we buy from pe- people we trust, we buy, we spend with them and we, we buy from them. Um, Zenab, I do appreciate all your comments. I've been trying to read them and I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been able to read them aloud, but thank you for contributing and being here as well. So as, as we, uh, one last question before we say salam so to you, uh, what is one book you recommend everyone reads?
0: So actually, if I can, uh, my book, inshallah, is coming out. Uh, so of Social Media will be published Within the next uh, couple of weeks in so I'm going to recommend that one. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, no. That's <laughs> I'm going to ask you where can people find, find more about this. Uh, what is the book about, and how can people get a get get a copy of it?
0: So it's really a lot of what we talked about. It's how to apply, you know, these Islamic principles to the social media world. So things like intention, things like uh, envy, things like how we interact with each other, uh, the company that we keep. Uh, you know, just how to mitigate and deal with those things. So all of that is kind of condensed down uh, into a book format. So that'll be out on Amazon, inshallah, soon. Can people
1: sign up for a waitlist? Can people get notified? Yeah, if
0: you if they go to ibnabiumar.com, I-B-N-A-B-E-E-O-M-A-R.com uh, slash newsletter, they can sign up for the email list. And when they sign up for the email list, they'll also get a little free PDF, 40 Hadith on social media. So it contains a lot of these same things. Uh, the hadith with very like brief one paragraph explanation as to how to apply those hadith to social media interaction.
1: That's awesome. I did tag you in my stories because I can't. Uh, the comments will disappear after this live but make sure to go check my stories and you can actually click and find your find maybe, uh, find your handle there and click on that so that that will work for everyone. So um, you know where to find you? you know the book's coming out? When is the book coming out again?
0: Within about two weeks. I don't have the exact date because I'm still waiting on, it's self-published, so we're waiting on some of the proofs and stuff to come through, but within the next couple of weeks, inshallah.
1: But we, once you we sign up for the waitlist, once we sign up... For-
0: on the newsletter, you'll definitely get an announcement, yeah. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad everyone found this conversation so beneficial. I, and I'm sure there's so much more that we didn't touch on. I'm sure this conversation can go so much deeper. I, I really recommend you get this book because, again, it's like that conversation starter where you have, whether you have kids at home, whether you have a spouse at home, all of these things are so much more relevant now than ever before because 2020 COVID has just been one of those years. So I highly recommend everyone gets that book. And exactly right thank you for being here and sharing. Okay, everything. well, for
0: having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever podcast player you use. And please rate and review the podcast. As always, if you share it with a friend that's much appreciated, you can check the show notes for all the details and links. See you in the next episode.